Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Hey, Dog Nation, I'm Brandon Adams, and welcome into a um, not quite special edition of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. A better word to use than special, just maybe different. Obviously, normally we're in the studio and we love doing the show there. We have something going on on Monday that prevents us from being in the studio, but we didn't want to let that prevent us from having a show. So I'm here in the friendly confines of my home. Sometimes I say the friendly confines of our Dog Nation World Headquarters studios, but today it's the true friendly confines of my home. And we're going to do the show from here today, pre-record, and then be back to normal tomorrow. I'm not like quarantined or anything like that. We just can't be at work tomorrow. So we're going to knock this out here tonight from home. You'll see it tomorrow, radio, podcast, everything else the way that it normally is. And I think we're going to have a really good time. And in fact, later on, I've got a great conversation with John Stinchcomb that you're going to hear. John, in addition to talking some football and the craziness with the possible league expansion of the SEC, also takes a moment to celebrate what's already been a great showing for the Georgia Bulldogs there in Tokyo with the Olympics. I'm not super well-versed. I don't speak Olympic particularly well. It's not ever, ever really been something I've known that much about. So I'm happy to have John step in there and talk about the great performance by Jack Bowerly, his former swimmers there in Tokyo for that. So we'll do a lot of that all coming up with you before it's all said and done. However, I want to begin today's show this way, that if you think about the dominant conversation that's existed for most of the offseason for us, and really probably for a couple of offseasons, but let's just stick with this offseason for right now. If you think about what that conversation has been, it's been something along the lines of, oh, there are these huge expectations for Georgia, and when is UGA going to actually meet them? Kirby Smart in particular, the coach that was brought here to meet those expectations. When is he going to get that job done? The expectations are so high, and Georgia fans are growing impatient. Media around the Georgia fans kind of pushing that impatience. When is Georgia going to meet these lofty expectations? But sometimes reality ends up being quite a bit different than actual perception. And this is an example of that, that while there is this perceived massive gap between expectations and performance for Georgia, at least by one measurement, Georgia's actually doing about what folks expect them to do. Georgia was once again on Friday when all the votes were tabulated from SEC media days this past week. Georgia was once again picked to finish second in the SEC. They were picked to win the division by an overwhelming margin, and they were picked to finish second in the SEC once again. In fact, let me give you some of the details on this just to be a little bit more specific. So Georgia got 124 first place votes to win the SEC East. Florida got just seven. It was Kentucky, Missouri, Tennessee, South Carolina, Vandy after that. Uh, if you care about the SEC West, Bama got 130 votes to win that division. Uh, nobody else got more than one. A&M, LSU, Ole Miss each got one. And then it went Auburn, Arkansas, Mississippi State after that. And what's interesting here is, is that Georgia – got 45 votes to win the SEC uh, behind Alabama, which got 84. It's important to note there were fewer folks at SEC media days this year, so there's fewer votes tabulated all the way around. Georgia got actually very similar to the number of votes it got to win the SEC in 2019. Alabama got less than half, though. So somehow, some way, a lot of the folks, folks who voted Alabama to win the SEC before, apparently those were some of the ones not invited to be at SEC media days 
this year because Alabama's gotten 200 votes in 2019 to win the league, got just 85 here this year. The point is this, that when you look at Georgia, you don't see this overwhelming level of expectation and this huge pressure to meet some standard that Georgia hasn't yet met. What you see the media saying is, no, we expect Georgia to almost be a carbon copy of what it was in 2020, what it was in 2019, and what it was in 2018. In fact, when you look a little deeper into this, Georgia picked to finish second league, win the division, but really not any more than that right now. That's also kind of borne out by the players that Georgia has on the preseason all-SEC list. Georgia doesn't have a small number, but it's only two on the first team. It's Jordan Davis as a defensive tackle. It's Jake Amart as a punter. Georgia had four, and I will show you this on the screen, Georgia had four players make second team All-SEC, JT Daniels, Amir White, George Pickens, Jamari Salyer, another four on the third team with Trayvon Walker, Nicobe Dean, Lewis Seen, and Karis Jackson as a return specialist. But only just the two first team All-SEC performers. And frankly, that kind of representation on the All-SEC team is about what you'd expect from a, from a team that was picked to win its division but not picked to win the SEC overall. Now, the reason why I'm telling you this is this, is that the name of the game for Georgia here this year in 2021, on the basis of what I just described to you, really isn't so much about meeting expectations. If Georgia meets expectations this upcoming year, most Georgia fans are going to be pretty disappointed. The real issue for Georgia is not how do you meet those expectations, it's how do you exceed those expectations. This is the thing that Georgia has to make the really the sole focus of its energy for the upcoming season. Where can you find an unexpected level of performance? And we're going to talk to John Stinchcombe more about this in a moment. Whether it's the individual players who have a chance at big-time breakout seasons or units, the offensive unit, the defensive unit, whatever else, where can you exceed expectations? And if you can find enough areas in which those expectations for on-field performance, either from individual players or units or whatever else, if you can find enough examples of where that level of performance is exceeded, then all of a sudden that's adding up to the kind of equation that leads to the entire team performance be better than expected. And all of a sudden now Georgia's not what it was in 2018, 2019, 2020, you know, one of the better teams in the league, but not quite the SEC champion. And obviously, if you're listening to this, the one, I think, conclusion you draw is, well, some of this kind of stuff is just easier said than done. Everybody's out there trying to exceed expectations. Everybody's out there trying to be better than the media says they're going to be. Everyone wants to make the the media look foolish for the predictions that it's made. And from that realm of thinking, it almost seems like it's an uphill climb for Georgia to do everything that, 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 that it could possibly do here this upcoming season. But here's the good news, and I, I want, want you to make sure that you hear this. What Georgia's going to be tasked with this year, being better than the media thinks that it can be, and leaning on a bunch of players who have individual seasons that are collectively all added together better than what the media thinks for them, that you don't have to look too far into the past to find the example of an SEC team who's done just that. Let's go back to 2019 for a moment. I mentioned the fact that in 2019, Georgia was picked to win the East. That's the last year we had SEC media days. There were no preseason predictions from a year ago. But picked to win the East, 
and picked to finish second in the SEC, getting 50-whatever, 50-plus votes to win the SEC. Ultimately, most of you are aware, the team that was picked to win the SEC that year, Alabama, did not. Alabama got more than 200 votes to win the SEC by the media, was actually bested by LSU. LSU won the division, went on to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. And here's something pretty fascinating, that the year which LSU last won the SEC in 2019 and went on to win the national championship, only three media members actually picked them to do so. That LSU in 2019, just two seasons ago, is the perfect example of a team exceeding its expectations and doing so in wild fashion, dramatically better than everyone, anyone, certainly most anyone, would have thought was possible. And if it was possible for LSU back then, the same thing is obviously possible for Georgia right now. Not to say that just because LSU did it, Georgia's definitely going to do it, but clearly LSU has traveled a path that Georgia pretty clearly could follow there as well. Because to go back to Wednesday's show for a moment when we were live at SEC Media Days, the one thing that I said in the aftermath of Georgia's appearance on Tuesday is, is that Kirby Smart ultimately didn't really get that many questions about, hey, when are you going to break through and win a national championship? If not now, when? Timeline for achievement and all those kinds of things. And what it brought to mind for me is, you may remember me saying this a couple of days ago, that there's actually one thing worse than getting a bunch of questions about when are you finally going to win a national championship? It's the moment when those questions kind of stop. And I'm not certainly not saying those questions have stopped for Georgia. I'm saying that for this particular year, they've kind of slowed down a little bit. For the most part, no one is really, not, not, certainly not in large numbers, is going on a limb and say, no, we think Georgia gets past Alabama here this season. We think this is the year that's going to happen. But just because relatively few people seem to be saying that, the LSU story from 2019 shows you it is still greatly possible for the level of achievement for Georgia to, to fully, fully exceed what folks expect to be a possibility, especially using the LSU blueprint, which is about quarterback play and leaning on that to leverage bigger performance from wide receivers, guys like Jamar Chase and, and, and so many of the others that, that feasted in that Joe Burrow offense. The same thing's obviously available for Georgia here this year. So when you look at those projections, when you look at how the media expects Georgia to finish in the league, when you look at the media and how it expects Georgia players to finish on the all-SEC list, just know this, where it is now may not be where it's going to be at the end of the year. If you get enough of those individual performances to raise their level, a couple of those third-team guys to become second-team guys, and a couple of those second-team guys to become first-team guys, all of a sudden the possibility of Georgia being a little bit better than the media thought it could be, at least when it voted last week, that becomes a pretty strong possibility. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and we are happy to be with you here today as I broadcast for today only from the friendly confines of my own home, and I'm really happy to have all of you here for that. Of course, big thanks to my friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making it all possible. You know, they can equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors, and that's important, right? House looks better on the outside. That could impact its resale value. It feels great on the inside. That impacts your quality of life, and Pella Window and Door of Georgia have been doing this for folks for a long time. They are a nationally known company, locally owned branch right here in Georgia. They can set you up with a very, very easy, no pressure consultation. They'll talk to you about all the installation options they have available for you, all the services they can provide for you along the way to getting those better windows and doors. And they'll even tell you about some great savings there as well. 
Pella is currently offering the chance to replace all your windows with payments as low as $99 a month. It's based on a $10,000 purchase at 84 months if you qualify. So incredible savings there. A couple of ways to get in touch. How about PellaofGA.com slash DogNation? That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation or the phone number 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Just tell them BA from Dog Nation Daily Center because I know they're going to take good care of you. All right, I'm going to try to take good care of you on our show today as well. We'll get John Stinchcomb coming up in just a moment. We'll talk to John about all the latest rumblings and grumblings, possible SEC expansion, and the Georgia players, where they were ranked in the preseason list, where Georgia itself finished and all of that. We'll do all that with John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, let's go around the doghouse. And it's presented today by our friends at AAA. And by the way, speaking of possible SEC expansion. So as I'm recording this show on a Sunday night to be put out on Monday, there was some interesting rumblings coming out of the Big 12 here on this Sunday. You may have seen this. League Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, a couple of the other academic figures, university presidents, Baylor president was involved in this. A couple of the university presidents got involved, and they met with the university presidents from both Oklahoma and Texas. And the statement released by Bowlesby and his people on the, in the aftermath of this meeting was, it was the meeting was described as productive and that Bowlesby essentially said that he was looking forward to more of these kinds of conversations in the future. Now, Bowlesby, a couple of times, has already been caught flat-footed in regards to the conference expansion. He praised the sense of cooperation from the SEC going back to the 12-team playoff deliberation a few weeks ago. And at the end of his own media days, just a few days ago, uh, Bowlesby said he didn't think there was much to worry about on the conference realignment front. So he's been caught flat-footed a couple of times here in the past. Maybe this is another example of him thinking he's going to have more good conversations with Texas and Oklahoma when what's actually about to happen is Texas and Oklahoma are going to give the farewell salute and be on their way out the door because there had been reports as late as late last week that that announcement they plan to sever their ties to the league could come Monday, the day in which you're either watching or hearing the show, at least most of you, many of you will be. So maybe there's a chance that happens. Or maybe the meeting on Sunday was at least warm enough to convince Oklahoma and Texas to wait a little longer before they ultimately make their announcement. Because we've heard reports out there that possibly the Big 12 might be willing to consider a better revenue sharing model for Texas and Oklahoma where the Sooners and Longhorns get another larger piece of the pie going forward, which may be the Big 12's only hope for survival. It's not a very equitable arrangement, but it may be the only arrangement that keeps the Big 12 in business. That may ultimately be what has to go down here. But that was the reporting as of Sunday night. Bowlesby, a couple of the league's presidents, meeting with presidents from the University of Texas and Oklahoma. And for now, everything being done that can be done to hold this league together. We'll certainly follow that and see where it goes. It's around the doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at AAA. And of course, when you think about being on the road, I was on the road a lot this weekend. You think about AAA for its legendary roadside assistance, but I also want you to think about AAA when it comes to auto insurance there as well. When you switch and save with AAA, you can save on average $529. It's great savings and it's a great opportunity for you to take advantage of. So make sure you do that today by checking out AAA.com slash auto insurance. That's AAA.com slash auto insurance. Switch and save with AAA today all right fun stuff for us we'll do an sec through later on we'll get more into the players 
around the league that were on the league's preseason all SEC team that was released on Friday. But for now, for everything happening around the SEC, Georgia football, more than the SEC expansion, let's talk to John Stinchcomb right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, always nice, even during a time in which I'm doing the show from home, at least for tonight, having to pre-record it for Monday, to have John Stinch come in the program to talk some Georgia football and really talk a lot about massive change potentially on its way to the SEC. Uh, John, I hope you're doing well. Certainly, I appreciate you accommodating us at a slightly different time for the recording here tonight. But what was your initial reaction when you heard the rumblings that first pop up last Wednesday and have only grown since then that Texas and Oklahoma were looking to leave the Big 12? And it appears that the SEC is the landing spot for that. What was your reaction when you first heard it? And I guess how's your feelings evolved since then? I think I'm not alone in feeling shock. I couldn't believe what I was reading and what I was seeing. Um, and I, I keep waiting to find out more. There's got to be more. I always feel like there's, uh, you know, they, they have kept this secret so well for so long that I'm wondering if there's not a bigger play in, in place here. As you look at the changing dynamics of uh, conferences and the NCAA as it pertains to uh, athletes across the board but primarily football I wonder if it's it's more of a play to separate we saw a few years ago the power five kind of start to form and it, it stratified what college athletics look like for players now you're putting together a a power conference unlike any other if, if you look at the history of of Oklahoma and Texas and what they bring just to to college football and you add that to the primary number one conference in all of college sports, you start to, I, I'm starting to see a picture of uh, one conference that is, is far superior. We've been superior for a long time, but far superior than, than any of the other power five, the other four is starting to not even be comparable. And what I find is interesting about that, John, and you know, a lot of SEC fans, you are one yourself. So am I, there's typically this sense of, really big SEC pride that shows up in conversations like this. And for a league that has flexed before and its fans are typically proud when it does, I'm actually fairly amazed by how few folks I've talked to who are a hundred percent sure this is a good thing for college football, that you know, it may be a good thing for the SEC. It's only the biggest league getting bigger throughout this. If this does indeed result in Oklahoma and Texas being the SEC, but man, it's not one of those things where I'm hearing a lot of folks saying, boy, I can't wait to see how the SEC does with this. And I'm so excited to see this. There are some people that feel that way. And in the initial aftermath, those are some of the people that I've heard from. But in the days that have followed, and I've heard from a lot of people, in the days that have followed, it seems like the majority of the fans that I'm hearing for are at least skeptical of this, if not outright against it. In your opinion, is Oklahoma and Texas and the SEC a good thing for college football? Well, in isolation, if this is the only move, I think it's far different than what we saw with, with the addition of Texas A&M and Missouri years ago. That, you know, that, that kind of makes sense. There were two teams that, you know, could help bolster the SEC, and they're looking to kind of bolster their programs and, and 
leverage the the power of the SEC. That's not the same dynamic that you're bringing into play when you add Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma is is competing on a national level despite the fact that they're not in the primary conference in the land. And, and Texas is a program that has had their prime and still has the utmost potential. But uh, you, you look at the, what they can leverage, and it's just not the same dynamics that you're adding into the mix, especially if, you, if you're looking primarily SEC West or some sort of new um, alignment of those teams. So, you know, I get it. And, and my, my question, my primary question across the board is, is there more at play here? Mm-hmm. Is there more to this scenario that uh, is, is more long-term? Is it a five-year, eight-year plan that there's a one primary conference that yeah. if you're not a part of it, you're, you're really left out. Now, if that's the case, I think it paints a much different picture than just adding Texas and Oklahoma. And I find myself thinking, you know, you're a UGA alumnus. I'm a guy that does the show. I've been a Georgia fan my whole life. And thankfully, the school, the team that we care about, seems like it's set up well for whatever the future looks like. It seems like Georgia's resourced enough to be able to respond to that. But imagine for a second, John, that, you know, you're not a guy that left, you know, Gwinnett County, Georgia to go, you know, play at the University of Georgia. What if you lived near Ames, Iowa, and you were an Iowa State guy, or you lived near Stillwater, Oklahoma, you're an Oklahoma State guy, or you live near Lubbock, Texas, you're a Texas Tech guy. I've said this before that those fan bases may be smaller, but there are people within those fan bases that care just as much about Texas Tech or Oklahoma State or Iowa State as, as you and I do about University of Georgia. And yet here we sit in a situation through no fault of their own. They've essentially done nothing wrong. But there are some tectonic plates shifting underneath their feet that is one day in the very next couple of weeks potentially going to result in those programs and programs like that no longer really being a part of major college football. And I'm not really quite so sure what you do about that. The average Georgia fan may not care about the fate of those programs. They seem so remote and far removed. But, boy, it is really something to think that you've got these smaller than Georgia but still passionate followings of schools that have been major college whatever the whatever the major college level has been called during our lifetime they've always been in it but two weeks from now they may not be anymore and they essentially haven't done anything wrong it's really weird yeah and and it really will devastate that conference i mean you look across the board and i think the addition to the sec you can make a case for oklahoma is is certainly a, a nationally competitive team uh, in, in recent years, and Texas has that propensity at any given time just because of their history and, and the amount of draw that they have. But the addition that they provide to the SEC doesn't come close to the subtraction that's going to occur for the rest of that conference when they lose two of the biggest anchors that they have and uh, across the board. So for the rest of those teams, for the rest of the conference, I'm sure they're scrambling. They're going, uh, we we are going to struggle to compete at this level. I mean, uh, right now, college sports is changing constantly, it seems like, with NILs and, and opportunities that are absolutely going to influence the decisions of where players go, just like when it was not, when you're outside of the Power Five, it influenced their ability to recruit at that same level, those same kids that they possibly had influence on and could draw to their school. Now they're going, well, you know, there is this upper echelon 
that we no longer have access to. And the same is going to apply for these teams that are left behind. They're just, you're not going to be able to have that same draw and say, hey, we're going to play Texas and Oklahoma and you're going to be on the national stage mm-hmm. and you're going to be relevant in the same ways once and if this is this a big if, uh, Texas and Oklahoma leave the conference. I think the, the subtraction that occurs in, uh, in, in their conference is, doesn't come close to the addition that it's going to provide for the SEC. Let me ask you about this, and I think you bring up an interesting point that while this is what we know now, who's to say there couldn't be in the years to come even more radical changes on the way to college football. In fact, the recent past has taught us we should be looking for those kinds of things to happen because this is a sport that's been changing very, very quickly for quite some time now. But let's just push pause on that for a moment and say this is what it is for now with Texas and Oklahoma potentially coming in this league. Obviously, John, from a Georgia standpoint, the biggest thing I think the average UGA fan is going to notice is the schedule that the dogs play each and every year. It just just, has to seemingly look quite different, which means you're either turning the SEC East into an eight-team division or you're getting rid of the concept of two split divisions all the way around, and it's either four divisions or what's been called pods where you – are playing a rotational you know, group of teams and not quite so many of the same teams year in and year out, which could mean an end to traditional yearly rivalries like the Deep South's oldest with Auburn and who knows what else. Obviously, Georgia-Florida, you would assume, would always happen. But Georgia-Auburn may, may not want to be one of those things that takes place every single year from now on. What do you think about the scheduling part of this? Would you like to see two split divisions preserved? Would you be in favor of a rotational schedule that gave Georgia actually a chance to play some of these new teams who are moving into the SEC? Well, pros and cons, right? We, we can't just cling to what we've known. It's, mm-hmm. That's just not the way the game is played anymore. Things are constantly changing, and schedule is going to be one, uh, one of the items that gets addressed whether we like it or not, whether Texas and Oklahoma get added to the SEC, I think it's very realistic that uh, SEC schedules are going to change in these next few years. Uh, it just uh, that's the nature and direction that, that we're headed. So with the addition of these two teams, I think it also fits in a bigger picture with the playoff system and how many teams get access there. When you add two more viable candidates for a very limited pool of slots. I mean, Oklahoma is trying to buy every year for one of those top four spots, just like Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Florida. I mean, the list of SEC schools that are, are trying to compete for those very few spots, I think that expands. And, and again, it's part of a bigger picture that BA, you and I, I just don't think for us, we've seen all the cards that are being held close to the vest by, by the real powers that be. I think you're right about that. I want to ask you more about some of the stuff that came out on Friday in regards to where George was picked in the SEC and some of the dogs players that got preseason all SEC recognition. Before that, speaking of recognition, I want to take some time here to recognize uh, one of our Kroger five-star kid winners. We told you this week we'd be making these announcements. I'm really excited about doing this. Don't forget, for each of our five Kroger five-star kid winners that we're going to be acknowledging here this week, what an incredible collection of gift cards they get. $100 gift card to Kroger, $50 gift card to Domino's, $50 gift card to Amazon, $50 gift card to Dick's Sporting Goods. It's a tremendous collection. And, of course, we've also got 50 Kroger five-star Dog Nation Kid T-shirts that we're giving away. But, man, this great, great uh, collection of gift cards for our 
five five-star kids here this week, courtesy of Kroger. I want to congratulate McKenna Wood right now for being a great winner. And when you see this terrific collection of photographs, kind of some side-by-side comparisons of McKenna kind of doing a pretty good Kirby Smart impression right there, that's a really cool thing to be able to see. Also a terrific family there as well, showing off the red, white, and blue, the stars and stripes. You love that. If you can combine Old Glory, the American flag, and a little Georgia football other than the same collection of photographs, You've certainly spoke my spoken my language there. So uh, certainly congratulations to McKenna Wood, our Kroger five-star kid winner for today. We'll have more of those coming each day this week. Tremendous promotion. Kroger obviously loves stepping up to support our families. They were here for five-star moms back during that time of year. And here as we hit, get ready to head back to the back-to-school season, also supporting uh, those kids there as well. We'll be announcing one of those each day here this week. John, speaking of announcements, the SEC on Friday announced its preseason All-SEC selections as voted on by the media and the predicted order finished. Now, the SEC media has a very long track record of getting this stuff wrong year after year after year, but it's still somewhat interesting to me to see Georgia kind of slotted where they've been. First in the SEC, but probably second overall in the league behind Alabama, just you know, two guys, first team all SEC, Jake Kamard and Jordan Davis. But after all the talk of the offseason of huge expectations for Georgia and how does Kirby Smart meet those expectations, the actual tangible projected order of finish by the media when voting here this past week is really fairly, I don't want to say meager, but it's certainly pretty modest. Maybe modest is a better word than meager. No one's making that outlandish of a claim about Georgia. So, I mean, to me, it comes down to you got to do something then to exceed the expectations because it sounds like a lot of the folks who do this kind of voting have gotten very used to seeing Georgia finish second. Yeah, I I, I couldn't be more excited about that because usually you try to play the underdog card even if, you know, you're the front runner. Well, right now, Georgia doesn't have to worry about that because – there's many of many things if we're trying to you know talk about this could be the year to an individual standpoint the fact that Alabama is still seen as the the beast to beat in the SEC cage match I think that's a good thing for us now uh, guys need to stay hungry and what matters most is that you have the talent in the room and the coaching staff put together to prove people that are trying to ring your praises and sing your praises, prove them right. But also it's nice to have as a motivator. If, if I'm going to the guys in my locker room that, you know, hold themselves in high regard and, and should expect some sort of uh, commendation and recognition in some of these polls, I'm saying, well, all right, man, here's your chance. You got to, you still have something left to prove. And we as a team have something left to prove. It's much better than it being handed to you because postseason awards are going to be much more important to all these guys than the preseason awards. And that, that goes as a team. The more team success you have, the more guys you're going to see light up these lists, whether it's all conference or all American, just because that's the nature of this beast is teams do well, individuals get awards. I want to rattle off a few individual names here for you for a moment. So JT Daniels is a second-team quarterback. Zamir White's a second-team running back. George Pickens is a second-team wide receiver. Jamari Salyer is a second-team offensive lineman. Trayvon Walker, third-team DL. Nicobe Dean, third-team linebacker. Lewis Seen, 
third team safety. They call him a defensive back, just generically speaking. And uh, Kyrus Jackson's return man. So let's lob off Kyrus, not count return man here for a moment. And let's lob off George Pickens just because of the injury. That leaves you with one, two, three, four, five, six. I'd say you need four of those six. You can decide which four. But I think you need four of those six to join at least Jordan Davis and Jake Camarda as also first-team players here in the SEC this season if you want to see Georgia be better than the winner of the SEC East, the runner-up in the league, and fifth-best team in the country, which we've seen Georgia be before. But if you want to see Georgia ex- exceed that expected level of finish for this year, then four of the six names that I just lobbed off, and I'm not going to count return man with all due respect to Kiaris because that's a little bit difficult to kind of project, and George Pickens is still a bit of an unknown in his injury. I think you need about a half dozen first-team all SEC players at the end of the season, some on offense, some on defense, but a half dozen spread out somewhere for Georgia to be better than what the media thinks it can be right now. Do you agree with that? Well, I, I tell you what, it's going to be hard for Zamir White just because there's so many mouths to feed in that backfield. I mean, James Cook is going to uh, have his opportunities along with the list of players that you have in that space. So that's going to be a challenge. Now, Jamari Sawyer, to me, that's a slight. I, I think he's earned that opportunity to be listed as one of the best in the conference. Um, and, and we'll get that recognition at the end of the year. Same thing for, same thing for JT Daniels. So on the offensive side of the ball, if things go as planned and they, they perform at the level that is expected, that's two, in my mind, pretty easy ones to fill yeah. in early. Now, the, the question marks come is on the defensive side of the ball. I think N'Kobe Dean is primed to be one of those guys that uh, has flown surprisingly somehow under the national or recognition or award radar up to this point and is on the verge of what I, I expect to be a breakout year where pretty much everybody in the SEC and a good portion of the nation say, hey, there's this linebacker in Georgia called N'Kobe Dean, and he is a playmaking ball player, buddy. Mm-hmm. You want to see him play. In addition to, you know, I think there's opportunity for some edge players. I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised at the end of the year, a guy like Adam Anderson mm-hmm. has statistics that justify his name being included. And then we haven't mentioned the an enormous amount of transfers right. that have uh, that opportunity and that propensity to be a part of that conversation that may not have gotten this recognition because they haven't been associated with Georgia quite yet. And, you know, two of those guys happen to be in the secondary. So if, if we're competing, if we have the season that's expected, as you say, do I agree with you? Yes. And I think it includes at least two, two names of guys that haven't been mentioned and haven't received the recognition that uh, I expect them to by the end of the season. So I think you bring up a really good point, and we'll finish with this, that you mentioned Jamari Salyer. That's a very easy name to circle from a second-team guy that becomes actually a first-team All-SEC player by the end of the year. And yet it's those other potential names, the Deans and you know the Lewis Scenes and the guys like that. Whereas if they raise their level of play like one notch above and all of a sudden guys like that are first-team – those are the kinds of swing names that change the entire balance for the season for Georgia. Because if N'Kobe Dean is a first-team All-SEC linebacker, John, we know what that looks like, and that is a very impactful player. 
Not to say that second or third team is not, but we know what first team all SEC looks like. And you have enough of those guys emerging above their current preseason projection. That's really the vital sign for how a great team gets formed. It's, it's a bunch of guys playing their individual games at a very high level now combined together that I know it seems like an overly simplistic point, but you don't get great teams without a collection of great single season performances added together to make that great team. Yeah. And, and I'd be surprised at the end of the year, if we're having this success that we're not talking about two or three guys in the secondary that have just been amazing for Georgia fans to watch. Lewis seen is obviously a candidate. We've seen what he's been able to do uh, these past few years, but he's about to get joined by some, some folks that we've never seen wear red and black, whether it's, you know, some of the first or second year guys that, that we've recruited, Keely Ringo comes to mind, or two transfers that uh, I'm sure Clemson and West Virginia would be thrilled to have as, as they started the season. So um, it'll be interesting to see by the end of the year, who are those guys? What are the names that, that receive that recognition? Because quite honestly, it's, it's been amazing how well, and I think it's a, a, a good thing that they've been able to fly under the radar. And if you put it all together, again, it's, it's, you got the pieces. I think for folks that know Georgia, we, we understand they've got more pieces in place now than any year that we've gone into a season. I think that's fair to say. I don't think that's overstating. Even if you look back to the Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, Lorenzo Carter uh, year where everyone's coming back, Davin Bellamy with the seniors returning, I think because of the changing landscape, you add an Eric Gilbert and, and Ty Key and some of these younger players that you expect to step up. And man, it, it's the, the best opportunity that Georgia's had to field an elite team uh, in, in my in my awareness of Georgia football, which, you know, it goes back a good ways. John, awesome conversation. Thanks so much for having us here today. I certainly appreciate your time. Hope you have a great week and we'll look forward to talking some Georgia football again with you soon as practice starting just around the corner and we'll get some actual updates from on the field. And boy, that's going to be a great time, John. I can't wait to get your insight when that happens. Football's about here. Tell you what else is good, BA, is to watch our dogs doing well in the Olympics. So it's a fun couple of weeks for me too, to see one, the country do well, but the, the dogs represent us well as well. I mean, if you're Jack Bowley right now, you got to be feeling great. Uh, I mean, to see, and I will admit I'm not an Olympic expert. I'll admit this, but I did see uh, former UJ swimmers finishing one and two in, in one of the recent swimming events over the weekend. That's an amazing thing to see. It, it's, it's a really cool deal. I, I wish I knew more about some of the Olympic sports because obviously it's, it's tremendous to see the dogs having success in the pool in Tokyo the way they have been. And, and now you have unlimited access, B.A., so you just pick the sport that you want to watch and you can uh, see any of the videos that, of, of the stuff that you've missed, so you can catch up. We'll let you get back to watch that here on this Sunday night when we're pre-recording the show for Monday. And, John, we'll look forward to talking to you soon, okay? Always a good time. Go dogs. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Our really good stuff there from John Stinchcomb. Really enjoyed that chance to hear his thoughts on well, it is a fascinating time for all of us with the potential expansion of the SEC and not just adding just any two teams, but adding big-time brands like Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, that could be 
on the doorstep of all of us here within a couple of weeks. And obviously over the course of these next few weeks, there's going to be a lot of news playing around, playing out about all of that. We'll obviously do our part to follow that. SEC through coming up here in just a moment. I also want to remind you about a great service my friends at College Ave right now, who obviously know that one of the most significant challenges that so many folks face is how we're going to pay for college, especially those last minute decisions as you're getting ready to go in the brand new school year. And many folks trying to wonder, can we get these expenses covered and how can we make this work? Well, that's what College Ave can do for you. They step in there, they take good care of you when it comes to stuff like that. I'm talking about private student loans from College Ave student loans that cover the full cost of college. Makes obviously the entire experience a lot more uh, convenient. Competitive interest rates there as well. It's a flexible repayment plan. Also great customer service and a quick, stress-free, just three-minute application. Within three minutes, you can get all set up and get everything to them that they need to know to help you get your college paid for. That's what College Ave can do for you. So if you'll visit collegeav.com, that's the word college, A-V-E.com, collegeav.com. You can find out your interest rate, the payment plan, and you can really figure out all of the options that College Ave has available that really matches your budget. So make sure you check that out today with my friends at College Ave. Okay, for SEC3, I want to dive a little deeper here into the other names around the SEC that were a part of the All-SEC list when it was released by the league on Friday after the media had voted on this throughout SEC media days during the week. And the point that we've made about Georgia is a simple one. We talked to John Finchcomb about this a moment ago that if Georgia is going to be better than its projection, first in the East, but only second in the SEC, which means possibly likely outside the college football playoff at the end of the year, and you've got to have more of those top-end performances from your best individual players. It's been a theme for us all year long. We talk about this, how it's measured by the NFL draft. You can say the same thing with how it's measured by all SEC first-team level performance. You need those first-round draft picks, you need those first-team all-SEC performers, you need to have that kind of top-end talent on your team. But as far as what the rest of the SEC brought forth here for this year, once again, more love for Matt Corral, the Ole Miss quarterback, who by now is, I'd say he's your consensus first-team preseason All-SEC quarterback. It does not mean that's where he ends the year. He's obviously going to be expected to put up big numbers working in a, you know, in a Lane Kiffin offense. Certainly that's the expectation there. But this is, you know, at this point in time, this is your consensus pick to be your first-team All-SEC quarterback crowd getting a lot of love. Tank Bixby, your first-team All-SEC running back, along with Isaiah Spiller there from Texas A&M. It's interesting for the Aggies. You all know I'm a believer in the Aggies. Not pick them to win the SEC West. I do have them second in that division. But one of the reasons why Texas A&M has grown in a program over the course of last year on the doorstep of being in the college football playoff, one of the reasons they've grown as a program is because of their ability to run the football. Spiller last year by a great offensive line. They replaced some of those names for this year. Still expect to be strong on that offensive line of scrimmage, though. And Spiller's obviously benefited from that. Bigsby, of course, is a name that many Georgia fans are very familiar with. And I do think because of the struggles of Bo Nix, the thin nature of the Auburn wide receiver position, and just because as a play-calling personality, that's what Mike Bobo has become. I do expect Auburn to really lean on Big Speed this year. I'm guessing he gets a lot of carries and puts up big stats. John Metchie's the first-team All-SEC wide receiver from Alabama. Folks are talking up him in a big way to be the next great Alabama wide receiver. We'll see if that's the case. Uh, Cade Mays, the former dog, does make the first-team All-SEC along the offensive line. 
You get into the second team, that's where you see JT Daniels and Jameer White, of course. Kevin Harris, the South Carolina running back. We've talked about the game Gamecocks running game before. That's a team that probably runs the ball better than you realize. You start rolling through the rest of these second team names. Jaheel Billingsley, the very interesting Alabama tight end, much the same a lot of folks are wondering how well incredibly Georgia uses a guy like Darnell Washington. Billingsley's one of those names that gets talked up a lot at Alabama in that same regard. Your third team offense, Jacob Copeland, the Florida wide receiver, I think is a pretty interesting name. That's a guy that is going to have an extra spotlight on him because there is no Kadarius Tony. There is, you know, no Kyle Pitts, kind of the all everything tied in who really functioned like a wide receiver for Florida a year ago. Who are the new pass catching targets for Florida? Copeland's going to be one of those guys that gets some of that attention. Oh, as far as defense goes, we told you before, Jordan Davis, first team all SEC there. The other names to kind of know, Henry Toho Toho, the Tennessee transfer to Alabama. He also gets a first team nod. Will Anderson Jr., a linebacker from Alabama. That's a guy who put up huge stats last year as a freshman. That's a high school product from the state of Georgia. So a lot of UGA fans paying close attention to a guy that really was not very deeply, seemingly connected to Georgia in the recruiting process but he was tabbed by Alabama. He goes there, and you don't see a lot of freshmen dominate for the Crimson Tide, but Anderson has, and uh, he gets a first-team preseason All-SEC nod because of that. Derek Stingley's on there as well. Stingley, pound for pound, one of the best players in the league. Your second-team All-SEC defense, uh, Smoke Monday from Auburn. He shows up on here. Uh, Elias Ricks from LSU. All the folks have wondered what Ricks' future was going to be at LSU. Obviously, most of that ended up being rumor and not fact, and Ricks has settled in for the Tigers here this year and getting a second-team preseason All-SEC mention for his efforts there. The third team, you see some of those Georgia guys showing up, Trayvon Walker, Kobe Dean, Lewis Seen. I'll say Alante Taylor, one of those guys that Tennessee will really feature at any point this season they get a chance to, simply because for all the players that left that program, Taylor was a guy that did not want to do that, uh, wanted to stay there. Owen Popo, obviously a name that, a lot of Georgia fans are familiar with from the state of Georgia. Grayson High School goes to Auburn. He's a third-team preseason All-SEC pick for the Tigers, but if the Auburn defense has a chance to do anything here this, this year, obviously you're looking at a guy like that that just needs to have a much better season all the way around. you got to have a better year from the Poe if the Auburn defense is going to do anything. He's got to be better. He needs to be better than a third-team All-SEC performer here for this upcoming year. But if you go to dognation.com, you can see the full list of where the Georgia guys were selected, who else was selected there. And obviously, when you see the way these individual names are tabbed, you do get an idea for how some of the team selections were also put together there as well. We'll make that your SEC through. As we get ready to wrap up here today, I want to do so the way we always do. Even when I'm broadcasting the show from home, there's still a Gator Hater roll call. There's still a golden shoe to give out. There's still a, a lot of fun all the way around, including a Gator Hater countdown. But first, let's go, let's go ahead and give out a golden shoe here for a moment. I want to give one out to uh, William Perry. Very good stuff from William, who sent this to me on Twitter the other day. I guess he was in a uh, – and you can see this on your screen. But he's in kind of like a – I don't know if it's a thrift store or, you know, just kind of one of those, I guess, you know, sort of old, you know, nostalgic type places. And he comes across a nice, cool T-shirt of the Georgia-Florida weekend from 1983 – you see the classic Bulldog logo on the shirt. You see uh, really a pretty cool Georgia-Florida weekend logo on that there as well. I've never seen a T-shirt like this before, but it's a great blast from the past, back to some really cool UGA memories. 
Obviously, uh, great reminiscing there about the cocktail party. Good stuff from William. We'll make him our golden shoe winner here for today. Also, our Gator Hater Countdown. Fun stuff all the way around there. We love wrapping up the show with that each and every day. So let's get ready to do that uh, with our Gator Hater Countdown. In just 97 days, Georgia goes back to Jacksonville, gets another win against those lousy, stinking Gators. I can't wait for that. I also can't wait to be back in the studio again with all of you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, as you've come to expect it. We'll look forward to seeing you then. But thanks for being with us here today. And hope you have a great day, everybody. All right, and on video, time now for a very quick edition of our RS Andrews cool down. We'll do this for video and podcast. Normally we do a different podcast and a different video cool down. We'll do this together today. Sorry for the pre-record. Sorry I'm not here to take live comments. And the last time we did a pre-recorded show, I was even in the comment section during the show. So sorry about not being able to be here for that. But we'll be back tomorrow in our normal format. We'll do all of that. For now, though, let me just remind you that if you're worried that you don't have what I have right now, sitting in the cool comfort of my home and enjoying uh, the air conditioning that's just wrapping itself around me right now, it just feels so good. If you're worried that you don't quite have that going for you, get your system tuned back up to factory fresh specs. Breathe a little more life out of that unit. Get a little more life out of that unit. Uh, my friends at RS Andrews can show you how. They'll get it tuned back up to factory fresh specs for you. It costs just $99. Make sure you try that out today. Y'all have a good day. Back here, normal format again tomorrow. We will see you for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And our RS Andrews cool down after that. We'll talk to you then, everybody.